The following is a message recorded at the Inn, a ministry for college-age individuals which meets on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's University District. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Thurton. A lot of people call me Thurt. Uh, This is my last name, Shortened. Crazy how that works. Uh, so glad you guys are here tonight. I have a confession to make. I need to start by saying there's a couple guys from SVU. I haven't texted you back. I got you. It's on me. Um, so I got you guys. I was, confessions? Not like Usher, but these are mine. Okay. Uh, no one got that. That makes me feel old, and we'll talk about that tonight. Um, y'all, I'm going to talk about this till the sun goes down because I'm excited about it. Uh, I just got married a little less than a year ago. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Um, Just like y'all, some of y'all in this room are experiencing big changes in your life. You come to school for the first time, move out of the place you grew up in, starting a new job, whatever it might be. Uh, A big change for me, like I said, is getting married and I am now a husband. That is a new identity over me. Yep. And just like many of y'all, I want to hear, what are some of of the new habits y'all picked up as you started a, a new phase of life? What are some habits we got? I heard eat a chocolate bar once a week. I like that. What else we got? Yeah, go ahead. What? Studying. Yeah, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Constant school calendar. That's good. Not sleeping. That's real. Yeah. Procrastinating. Yeah, yeah. What? Meal prepping. Hey, I picked that up since marriage, too. That's a good one. Yeah, go ahead. What? TikTok. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's all good things. Man, you all picked up a lot. That's awesome. Okay, let me tell you, a habit that I have picked up since I got married. Judge me if you will. Um, I started making the bed when I got married. (laughs) Before I got married, maybe like once a month, I'd be like, yeah, I'll make the bed today. I thought it it was pointless. I was like, I'm just going to get back in this bed later today. It's going to get messied up. It doesn't even matter why make this bed again. That was bachelor thirds mentality. That was my mentality. But I got married and I found out that my wife loves the bed being made. Not only does she love the bed being made, she likes a lot of pillows. And so there's way more pillows than I've ever had on my bed before. (laughs) And one thing that I've learned is that sometimes we make the bed together and sometimes she'll make the bed. But one of the things that I've learned is that a great way that I can love Brooke well is by making the bed in the morning. So if if, if we get up and she's like, goes to the bathroom or gets like her hair ready or whatever, and the bed isn't made, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go in there, I'm gonna make the bed. It's, don't don't think I'm a saint or nothing. I just make the bed. it's a little thing. Uh, but what I realized is I make the bed in the mornings for Brooke in response to my new identity as her husband. If I just started to make the bed before we were married and I did that every day and I just made my bed in hopes 
that Brooke would then become my wife <laughs> because I made the bed every day. There's something off there, right? We were not living together, wherever you stand on that, so she wouldn't even know if I made my bed. Uh, so it's like, we, I think we think about our faith like this a lot. We think, oh, if I do this, I do this, I do this, and I'll get there. And we're going to enter into a text tonight that admittedly, you know, I got the opportunity to put together some sermon series this year, and I just decided to give myself a really hard text tonight. What was, I don't know what I was thinking. I should have made it easier. But we're about to get into a text tonight that can just seem like a bunch of rules and a bunch of moralities. And a lot of times you can read this text and think, okay, this is what I need to do. If I do this, 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 and this, then Jesus will love me and my, I will be a Christian and a follower of Jesus if I do all these things. We're gonna flip the script. That's not what it is. The, 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 the things that we're gonna look at today, the text that we're gonna look at is a response. This is a thing that shows markers of what it looks like when you've stepped into a relationship with Jesus, when Jesus has changed your life. These are the ways that your life will change. Much like when I got married, I became Brooke's husband. Not anybody else's husband, Brooke's husband. This is important. Let me tell you, yeah, okay, we'll talk. Hey, here's the thing. They brought it up, so I'm gonna go there. I love feedback and interaction. So if you wanna interact with me, you can give me a here, here, you can give me an amen, you can give me a bucket, you can do whatever, talk to me. I love chatter. Look at this, we got, we got this living room feel, so we're gonna have a conversation. But let me tell you, it's important. It's important that it's about me being Brooke's husband because my response to being Brooke's husband is that she loves the bed being made. I'm not just being a generically good husband. For all y'all out there, when you get married, if you get married, your spouse or partner may not care if the bed gets made. So don't just think that that's gonna be, ooh, A plus, we did it. You know what I'm saying? And this is what our response to following Jesus is like. We get to know him, who he is, the way that he loves us, and the way that we live in response to his love, and we live that out. It's specific. You like that? I like that too. Thank you. Okay? That's what I'm learning. That's a new habit I picked up for marriage. Let's go home. No, I'm playing. Hey, we're going to get into it. I got, I got something for you. When I used to speak to high schoolers a lot, um, I would always say to them before you start, I'm going to talk to y'all like adults because I believe you deserve to be talked to like adults. Tonight, we're going to have some adult conversations because I believe you get to be talked to as adults. We're going to get into some things. We're going to get into some things. And here's also what I learned. I found out, uh, here's a new, another new change in my life. I'm 30. I turned 30 this year. And I found out that that's old in comparison to y'all. Uh, I, not in the grand scheme of things, no. But whenever I say that to an 18-year-old, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> 30 years old. Whoa. <laughs> so we're going to have a conversation where I'm going to talk to you like adults because I believe y'all are adults. We're going to get into some things. I'm going to share some things that I learned along the way that I have learned. I don't think I got it all figured out. But at 30, I'm just a little bit down the road, further down the road than y'all. So, and the beautiful thing is, in some ways, y'all are further down the road than I am. Uh-oh. <laughs> mm. So, hopefully y'all learned some things, I learned some things, and, and something I love to say is we're not just about information, we're not just about inspiration, we're about revelation. I think Jesus is going to reveal himself to us tonight. Okay? Okay. 
Hey, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you meet us here. Mm. Jesus, we need you. I need you tonight. God, I just pray that anything that's from me would be forgotten. Everything that's from you would just be remembered. God, I just pray you would speak through me, to me, and to us tonight, God. Jesus, thank you that you love us. We love you back. And thank you that you love us. In your name, amen. Okay. Okay. So, the last couple of weeks, we've been going through this series called Welcome. And, uh, and we've had like a four-week series on this idea of welcome. And the hope here is to engage with y'all for four weeks and say, hey, here is who we believe we are as a community who we're trying to be. The way that we've been doing this is going through the text of Romans. The book of Romans is a book in the Bible, and it's one of the parts of the Bible. It's these letters that were written by this dude named Paul. Stick with me. Paul, smart dude. Loved a lot of people, loved a lot of communities, and so he wrote them letters to help them know about how Jesus loved them. And he wrote a letter specifically to this community in the city of Rome. And what the community that he was writing to was a community divided. They had deep, deep-seated divisions within them. There was followers of Jesus that were traditionally Jewish and followers of Jesus that were just traditionally Gentile, and all that means is they weren't Jewish. And they beefed hard. They didn't see eye to eye on anything. And Paul is writing to them saying, hey, here is what the gospel, which means the good news, the good news of Jesus is all about. All these things that you are getting divided about, all these things that you are tearing yourselves apart with, I want to dispel that with the truth of Jesus that can bring you together, that can change the world. And he wrote this to the city of Rome, to the community in Rome about 2,000 years ago. Not there yet. Thank you, though. <laughs> I appreciate it. I didn't, I didn't set you up well, but thank you. Um, he is writing to this community. And everything that we're about to go into tonight, you need to hear in light of what we've already talked about the last three weeks. We can't just dive in here in Romans 12 and just jump right here and say, this is where we're starting. This is the beginning. Paul has written 11 other chapters that lead up to this place. And we've been interacting with that over the last couple of weeks. We started off the series three weeks ago. I brought a blender up here on stage, popped it down. And I talked about how the reality is that when we all come together in community, we need to come exactly as who we are. And the hope isn't that as we become a community that we would all assimilate and become just like each other, like a smoothie, when you put different pieces in a smoothie. But we would enter into the, the, the whole totality of the community and still be very much ourselves, much more like a salad where you can take a piece out of that and say, this is very much a piece of spinach. Totality, that's right. Okay, and that's, that's the basis that we believe here. When you come into this community, we need you to come just as you are. We need you to be yourselves, to be who you are. If you get excited during worship, you wanna dance, dance. If you wanna hear different songs, then come talk to us and, and we want to interact with you. We need you. We need you. If you see things that are off, we need you to come here and share that with us. If you think, see things that are on, we need you to come here and share that with us. We need you to step in and be the community. Be exactly who you are. That'll preach on its own. It did three weeks ago. Okay. After that, Mike got up here. And he shared with us the reality that God is big enough. His love is big enough for all of our doubts, for all of our, our shame, for all of our guilt, for all of the, the things that can seem messy in our lives. God's, Jesus' love is big enough and encompasses all of that. 
and can withstand all of that. And he shared some very real things about the, the doubts and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the chaos in his life and how Jesus is meeting him in that. And last week, Brooke, shout out Brooke, got up and shared. That's my wife. Got up and shared. And, uh, and she brought the word last week. He got up and shared about who Jesus is. That all of this hinges on him and what he's done for us. That the reality of us, of us stepping into this community and being able to come just as ourselves is because Jesus came to this earth just as he was. Lived, died, and rose again so that we could experience the freedom to experience life and life to the full. And tonight, we're gonna hear what Paul says is the response to those truths. The response of being able to come fully as you are. To the response to being able to come fully with your doubts, fully with your mess, fully with, with, with everything that's good and bad about yourself that Jesus can take into that. The response to what it looks like to Jesus coming, living, and dying for you. How do we live in response to that once we have experienced and, 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 and started to know that truth in our lives? This response is not one that comes if you have not experienced this. But so often we read this and say, this is the standard it takes to, to be here in this box. But the reality is you belong in that identity first. Just like I did not make my bed to become a husband, but when I became a husband, I started to make my bed. So let's look at this text. Love and action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Okay, love must be sincere. It must be real. It starts here. That's, that's the place. If love ain't real in there, none of this, none of what follows can happen. Hate what is evil. Man, we're gonna talk about this tonight. What does it look like to hate what is evil and, and to cling to what is good? Be devoted to one another in love. That's, it's bookended, right? Starts with love. Then we enter into the chaos and mess that's evil, clinging to what is good. And then we finish it up again with love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never lacking in zeal. What's that mean? That word zeal can be tough, but it's really saying have energy. Get excited. These things, when Jesus steps in with you, and it, it, this, there's the energy that's there. Keep your spiritual fervor. Continue to be invested in the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Who's the Lord's people? All y'all. What's going on with that? Share the warmth over there. Ooh, sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. That's some good stuff. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's tough. We'll come back to that. That's tough. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. I hope that's our community. I hope that's who we are. Man, when you have something good, I hope I'm not jealous of you, but I'm like hyped for you. 
And when there's something that's tough going on in your life, I hope I don't just say, ah, I can't take that on right now, but I can step into that with you. And you know what? If I don't have the capacity to do that, I hope that my brothers and sisters do for you. Right? And I hope you do the same for me. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Y'all, just interact with people different than you. It says low position, which we can then say, we can go and start classifying people and say, this person's here, this person's here, yada, yada. Just interact with people different than you. As soon as we put a difference, as soon as we look and find the difference, then we start to, we get into classism. When, we, when, we, when our first thought is to figure out what's different about us, what divides us, that's when we start to say, mm, you're better than me, you're worse than me, uh, we shouldn't interact. Man, that's sad. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's tough too. <laughs> that's a tough one. But this is great. He follows it up with, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So do your best. That's actually a really nice caveat in the midst of this. They're like, hey, I get I'm telling you a lot. Just do your best. <laughs> do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's tough. But I want you to see something here. When it says do not take revenge, he doesn't say, it doesn't say anything about justice there. We'll get into that. But right here, Paul's saying it's not our place to take vengeance, but God is inviting us into seeking justice. That's a nice word. Buckets. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's a lot of interpretations about this burning coals on the head thing. <laughs> uh, some people just simply interpret it with like, kill them with kindness. I don't know. I'm gonna be honest with you. You can look at this however you want, but the reality here is what Paul is saying, what he's getting at is our first response should not be to attack but to seek out love and to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Okay, again, we hear it gets heavier. As it goes on, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. Where does it start? Where's the linchpin? Love. If that's absent, none of that comes into the picture. If there's no love, then we don't get any of that stuff that follows. Okay, does that make sense? You tracking with me? Can I get some snaps or something? Buckets. Love's a linchpin. I'm gonna take you through a couple stories that have helped me realize a little bit of how to interact with this passage. And hopefully we'll, we'll learn from me and my mistakes and from some of the things that I'm learning and hopefully we'll be encouraged to see how Jesus meets us in that. Uh, how many y'all know about Malibu Young Life Club? Okay, if you don't know what Malibu Young Life Club is, a, it's a place up in Canada that Young Life people love. They love it. It's like heaven on earth. It's cool. <laughs> uh, 
It's beautiful. It is beautiful. If you get the opportunity, Malibu is beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, but, but when I was in college, when I was y'all's age, that feels good to say, yeah, I'm old. When I was y'all's age, um, I was going to, to Malibu. I was, I was driving a car up to Malibu to uh, do this thing called College Work Week. No, college, what's it not called Work Week? College, uh, Young Life College Week. No, it wasn't Disciples Weekend. It was during spring break, whatever. We were going up there and we were helping out at Malibu and it was fantastic. And uh, I was asked if I would drive a car up and I got some people in my car that I did not know. And one of these dudes got in my car. Well, let me, let me also say this. Okay, uh, I got three white dudes in my car that I did not know. <laughs> it's, it's, it fits in. I told you we're gonna go some real places tonight. I have three white dudes in my car that I did not know. And we're driving. I want you to know Malibu is a trek to get to. You got to drive up to Canada. You got to get on a ferry. You gotta, it takes a while. And so we got this long ride ahead of us. And we get in the car. And I don't really know these dudes. And we're sitting there and whatever. And uh, about, I kid you not, like half hour, an hour into this car ride, one of these dudes drops a super racist joke. I don't remember what the joke is, but he said it. And I was sitting there and I was like, You want to know what's worse? He said, you know, it's cool. I can say that because my mentor is black. Let me. This is one in my sermon notes, but let me give you some advice. Some advice to my Caucasian brothers and sisters, my allies out there. Never use the excuse. I got Never, never use the excuse, I got a person of color that's in such and such relationship to me. Oh, I'm dating a person of color. Oh, I got my cousin's a person of color. Oh, I had a teacher in the second grade and <laughs> they was black, so I, I get it. Man, alive. Y'all are adults, so I'm talking to you like adults. Um, and he dropped that and I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? And I was sitting there, and let me tell you, let me take you into 20-year-old, 22-year-old Chris Thurton's life for this time. I had been getting into my faith and reading my Bible. <laughs> and I was reading through Romans, and I, I kid you not, this is right around the same time. The Lord brought this to me today. This is right around the same time. I was reading through this passage. And I was convicted. Because the old me, I remember, oh, we we will pull over that car and we will laid some hands and it wouldn't be to pray. It wouldn't be to pray. But I read through Romans 12 and I, I was like, well, I'm supposed to love those who persecute me, love and do not hate them. And I, I, I honestly, I carry, I carry the shame. I did nothing because I didn't know what to do. I sat there and I was like, feeling that conviction in my heart. Jesus, I got to do something, but I don't know what to do. My first instinct is to just go off on this dude, but that doesn't seem loving. So I'm just going to sit here and be quiet and be pissed off for the next three hours. <laughs> Man, I carry that with me. I remember we got to Malibu and I found my people and I was like, yo, you won't believe this. 
this dude really out here talking like this? Like, man. I carry that. I hate that I did nothing. I hate that. But what should I have done? What should I have done? Y'all, love is the linchpin. Jesus gets into this. He teaches us in his, his, his most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about this idea of in the old way, it would be an eye for an eye or saying you would treat uh, evil with evil. If something bad happened to you, respond with something worse. But he said, no, turn the other cheek. And you know what my interpretation of turning the other cheek in that moment was to just sit and take it. That's not what Jesus said. He said, be defiant, come back, hit them with love, show them, enter into relationship and choose another way. Choose another way. Turn the other cheek isn't weak. That's defiant. That's defiant. And Jesus teaches us to step into that. We're going to raise the stakes a little bit. This, this, those first little bits, as it's talking about loving your enemy, doing that stuff, it, it's kind of easy when it's little things. Like when it's your roommates and they don't do the dishes. Maybe that get, gets you heated, but... But it's like, okay, all right, I can love them. It's kind of easy when it's the little things. What happens when the stakes get lifted a little bit? There's a, <laughs> y'all know Brene Brown? She has this quote. She says, don't, don't pet the sweaty things, but don't sweat the petty things. It's a weird quote, but she said it. <laughs> but it's true, like, essentially, in the, in, in the, the easier things that we think about when we think about uh, those that are going against us as we think about that, that passage right there, it's actually kind of easy. Well, I just won't sweat the petty things. If it's not that big a deal, I'll just set it aside and we'll just move forward. But what do we do when it's something like this where I sit there and I am seeing the effects of systematic racism play out in my car? Bigger than that, man, we're gonna go there tonight. We got our guy, Bontham Zhang, getting shot at his house. And y'all seen his brother, Brant? Hug that lady? People feel some type of way about it. People feel some type of way about it. I don't know if that was the right thing to do. I don't know if I feel <clears throat> like I could have done that. Here's what I'm learning. Here's, here's what I'm learning right now. This is a pastor I like. He said this in response. Celebrating the forgiveness shown by, by Brant John doesn't also equate to believing justice was served. Justice in this case was not served. Forgiveness is a process. Those who have been deeply wronged and abused are entitled to their own journey towards that forgiveness. Wanting to see justice served does not make anybody anti-police. I sit here in, in, in the, the real frustration where Paul and Jesus are telling us, love your enemies, don't seek out vengeance. But I sit here with the real reality that I'm frustrated that, that this, 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 this white cop 
went into a black man's home, shot him. Then she got hugged by his brother, hugged by the black judge and got all this grace and got a short sentence. When there's young black men and women that are getting much more time than she got for much less crimes than she did and nobody's giving them grace, nobody's seeing them and nobody cares about them. Tell me justice is being served. It's not. But I also don't feel comfortable not seeking out forgiveness. It's just not equal. Something's off. And man, in Christian circles, we can, we can use this phrase, don't, don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. Man, but we do need to learn how to love people and hate the systems. And, and a lot of times the systems, they started out, maybe started out good. Some of them were just pure evil. <laughs> but some of them started out good and got twisted along the way. But it, it, the evil that's in there, we gotta learn how to hate that and combat that because it's systemic, it's bigger. And what Paul's talking about here isn't just this, this, this sugarcoating love people when they hurt you. He's saying this is a bigger thing. We need to enter into the mess. Much like when I sat there in the car with that dude and I thought I had two options, freak out at him or do nothing. That's not it. I could have entered into the mess. But I got news for you. That's not all on the people that have faced the injustice. Man, here's, here's the deal. Paul wrote this letter to a community but what do we do when we read the Bible in, in Western culture so often? We read it as an individual. So I read that and I say, this is what I must do to live into the reality of God. Paul didn't write it to one person. He wrote it to a whole, I want he wrote it to a whole city. He wrote to a whole city. But we read it like he's writing it to just us. So then we take the weight of, oh, I have to do this all myself. Hmm. But once we start to read it as a community, then I start to see that the things that might not be affecting me are affecting my brother, affecting my sister. And now I can't stand for it anymore. Because while I might be good over here and I might not be feeling hate and evil and persecution come upon me, so I'm good and I don't have to, I don't have to pet the sweaty things, I don't have to sweat the petty things because I'm good over here. Over here, I got brothers and sisters that are facing hate, injustice, and, and, and systematic evil. So we gotta learn how to step into that mess. It's easier for me to step into the mess of systematic racism because I'm affected by it. I see it every day. I don't have a choice. Some of y'all in this room got a choice not to interact with it. Maybe you gotta choose to step in. But there's other things that I have a choice that I don't have to step into, and, and I've been thinking about those. Right now, the Supreme Court is interacting with this, with uh, uh, the LGBTQ plus worker, workers' rights. They're, they're, they're in the middle of, of figuring out where they're going to stand on 
what rights the LGBTQ plus community has in the workplace to be fired or hired based on sexual orientation. I'm not going to tell you where you should stand on this. But I'm going to tell you, once you start to get to know some people, step into relationship with some people that are part of the LGBTQ plus community, it's not so easy to just say, well, I'd stand over here. This is what Paul's getting at. He's saying to the Romans, you guys are so good at staying within your lines and within your boxes and looking at this as such an individual thing and saying like, this is because I relate to Jesus this way. This is how everybody has to relate to Jesus. Oh, I relate to Jesus this way. Everybody has to relate to Jesus. And y'all aren't seeing each other. And he, he shares that we need to start seeing each other. We can't do this on our own. Paul writes a similar, he writes a similar passage, uh, a similar saying to another community. It's the Corinthians. And it's basically another way that he says what we just read. And he says like this, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. A few years ago, my buddy was preaching on this, and he did this exercise. And he took the word love out, and he put in our names. So let's put up the next slide. And he put his own name in there, and he read it like this. Chris is patient. Chris is kind. Chris does not envy. Chris does not boast. Chris is not proud. Chris does not dishonor others. Chris is not self-seeking. Chris is not easily angered. Chris keeps no records of wrong. Chris does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Chris always protects. Chris always trusts. He always hopes. He always perseveres. Chris never fails. And that could not be more convicting than anything I ever read in my life. And I want to ask you, put your name in there and tell me how you feel. We come up short. We come up short. But look, look what happens when we put Jesus' name in there. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. That's a good word. Now, I'm going to do something. I'm going to put the in in here. If we're supposed to read this like a community, you had to see us going here. The in is patient. The in is kind. The in does not envy. The in does not boast. The in is not proud. The in does not dishonor others. The in is not self-seeking. The in is not easily angered. The inn keeps no record of wrongs. The inn does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. The inn always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The inn never fails. That's not always true. But the hope is that in this community with Jesus at the center, this will be becoming more and more true about this community every day. 
all of this is in response to Jesus. All of this is in response to what Brooke talked about last week, where Jesus came down, stepped into this earth, felt the pain that we felt, lived a life, died for our sins, was resurrected so that we could experience life and life to the full. And as followers of Jesus, if we don't recognize that, then we will never fully hear the words of Dr. King when he said, hate does not drive out hate. Only love can do that. Starts with Jesus, starts with knowing what he's done for us. And it gives us the ability to learn how to get to know people, how to forgive when it seems impossible, and how to never, ever stand for injustice and seek to break down that injustice until truth and freedom reign. Y'all, love is patient, love is kind. Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. Jesus never fails. Why do, we, why do we fight for this? Because we believe that Jesus believes you're worthy of it. And we believe that there's a world out there that needs to know they're worthy of it too. Y'all, this talk isn't gonna end racism. It's not going to end sexism. It's not going to end classism. This ain't, this ain't remember the Titans. But the hope is that as a community, we would learn how to step into the mess with each other. Because that's what we're about as a community. We don't want to run away from your problems or mine. We want to say that your problems are mine. Because Jesus said that first. Then we want to fight together to see justice and forgiveness and love and truth. And hopefully see this world become a little bit better so that our kids maybe don't have to face the same things that we're facing today. Y'all with me? Let's pray. Jesus, man, I sit here and I know this talk isn't gonna please everybody. But Jesus, I know it's not what it's about. I just pray that you would meet us right where we're at that you would help us to have grace for ourselves, grace for each other, and help us to step into relationship. Jesus, help us to know that this talk is for those of us that have experienced his love from you. If we haven't, it probably doesn't make any sense. And that is okay. But what's not okay is that we let that be the final answer. Jesus, meet us, move us, help us to bring your kingdom about in spectacular and miraculous ways. In your name.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this recording from The Inn. And please feel free to check out more content on the upcoming Inn Podcast Network. Come by The Inn on a Tuesday night or come get a cup of coffee and hang out at the Palmer House, our coffee house and student center, also located on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's University District.